The Athletic. After a humiliating defeat on Saturday, Barcelona manager Xabi announced he'll be stepping down from his position at the end of the season. Blocked by Kubasi and into the back of the net and Villarreal have won it in the 99th minute. So what led Xavi to make this decision when he did? And as financial troubles and power struggles continue behind the scenes while the team struggles on the pitch, what next for Barcelona? Is it time for a cultural reset for the club with perhaps the most famous identity in world football? I'm Ayo Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Okay, so for this one, we've got the Athletics La Liga writer, Dermot Corrigan, and also our FC Barcelona correspondent, Paul Belus, as well. Gents, I want to say I was surprised, but I feel like it's been rumbling for a little while now that Xavi might not be at Barcelona in the future. I mean, look where they are at this current moment in time at the Spanish Super Cup. Copa del Rey, 11 points behind Girona. I mean, the surprise package that is Girona. And then you look at the Champions League and you're asking... Napoli next. (laughs) It's almost scripted that this season might be his last. But a lot of people are surprised by this news, Paul. Why? Well, uh, because I think that the timings are just well are are sort of shocking. I mean, you don't expect Xavi to come after like a big loss in a press conference where he's supposed like to deliver answers and to lift the spirits in a tough. Uh, last period of the season and just say that he's going to resign and that he's not going to be the manager next season. That was a bit of a shock. But as you were saying, I mean, all the context uh, around Barcelona was building up to sort of this moment. I think that Xavi, who had like a successful season last year, basically winning La Liga and the Spanish Super Cup, he hasn't been able to build up on, on this moment and to make the team progress on the pitch. And what's most surprising as well about it is that Xavi was like overwhelmed by the pressure and just by the noise and by, and, and by all the politics that Barcelona involve. And that's something that, in my opinion, has to push Barcelona to a sort of period of like self-reflection. Because if you, if you want to imagine like a person who is prepared to deal with everything that Barcelona is, probably Xavi is the best man in the industry. Probably next to Pep Guardiola, because Xavi has spent half of, of his life on this club, first as a player, then as a manager. And even with all the background... He's been like not destroyed, but he's been like heavily impacted and and affected both on a personal but also like on a family level by all the pressure of this entorno, this like atmosphere, everyone talking about Barcelona. And that's eventually what led Xavi to believe that okay, that possibly the best thing for him and for the club was just to look for a fresh new start uh, with another person. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, Dermot, I mean, he has explicitly spoken about the, the mental health toll this has taken on him. And But I, I wonder, you know, you've got a player who was so successful at the club, who knows the club so well. Surely he knew this is the kind of pressure that comes with being a Barcelona manager or a coach. Yeah, I think you can you can know all about it and you can see it even as being a senior member in the in the dressing room for so long. You can grow up around the club and, and see what it's done to other managers, including Pep Guardiola in the past, who, you know, left the club, you know, because he couldn't continue anymore, you know, 15 years ago. But until you're actually in the job, until you're doing it, dealing with it day to day with the stresses and the strains that are involved, then, you know, you can't know what it's like. And Javi, it's taken huge strain. It it has been coming. You know, anybody who's been following Barca closely, listening to Javi over the last months could could see that there were big problems there. And the relationship with with Laporta and with the new sporting director, Deco, wasn't 
as good as it could be. There have been a lot of changes at Barca, even since they won La Liga last season. You know, that, that squad was put together. Xavi had the backing of Matteo Aleman was the sporting director. Jordi Cruyff was a really influential person, you know, kind of between the boardroom and, and the dressing room. And Sergio Busquets was the club captain. He was the guy who, you know, Xavi was the manager, but Busquets did a lot of the leadership on, on the pitch, was tactically, you know, key to the key to the team. Those three guys who were there supporting Xavi all left in the summer. New people came in. Xavi didn't feel that he had the support maybe that, that he needed or that the team needed. New players were put on him that he he deliberately said that he didn't want, like, like Joe Felix. And it is a pity, really, for those of us who, you know, really enjoyed him, not a Barca fan, but I really enjoyed watching Xavi play. I was really excited to see what he would do when he came back to the club. Um, when they won La Liga last season, it wasn't really with the pure, you know, Blaugrana style football that, that we kind of hoped or that Xavi had talked about so much. They got the job done. But this season has been disastrous, really. They've, you know, hammered by Real Madrid in the Supercopa final, knocked out at Atletico Bilbao in the Copa del Rey by Ernesto Valverde, a former Barcelona manager, somebody who managed Xavi himself when he was there. And Xavi just looked like he couldn't continue. Will he continue on till the end of the season? Will his decision to leave take away some of those pressures that were there? Maybe it'll lift off his shoulders. Maybe he'll be able to to handle things better. But, you know, whether it'll lift the dressing room, improve the relations with the boardroom, you know, remains to be seen. Yesterday, we were talking about Jurgen Klopp and how influential he's been at Liverpool, but also being able to bring his personnel in. So he's almost got his own little circle of trust. Whereas Xavi, from articles you've written and also Dermot, you get a sense that at times his authority was overruled. I, I imagine what kind of impact that has to the players there, you know, because he's made a decision and then it's been overruled by the board. And then what kind of impact that has on him on a personal level? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean... He has been a man of the club and he said that like multiple times that he's put the club ahead of himself. But I think that eventually that just became a problem because he had to defend not himself, but his position as a manager. And gradually, as Dermot was like pointing out here, he has been left alone inside the club. Teco was brought in and Xavi's like in public and in private, they are pointing out that the relationship with Deco is really good and that is everything fine. And he has been backing Laporta and all the board in all his words after announcing his resignation. But at the same time, like if you analyze facts, like in the signings from last summer, all the signings were like quite far away from Xavi's criteria. I mean, Xavi pointed out that Sergio Busquets replacement had to be the priority signing this summer. And the best that Barcelona could do, or at least told Xavi that they could do, was Oriol Romeo. With... He's not been great, has he? Yeah, he's not been great. And, I'm, and I don't want to blame him because poor guy, he has not gone through a good moment. I mean, when he plays football, you can see that he's not enjoying himself. And last season, he was like a really good performer in La Liga with, with Girona. So I think that he's a better player than the player that we are witnessing right now. But Xavi had requested the likes of Martin Zubimendi, of Joshua Kimmich, of Marcelo Brozovic, but Barcelona basically felt that they had no option to get those players. So, so they brought in Oriol Romeo. And instead, they brought in players that were more like recruited more like by relationships with agents or the interest that the club had to brought the players in. In the case of Joe Felix, Joe Cancelo, I would say that is a player that Xavi wanted as well. But I mean, he ticked all the boxes because he's represented by George Mendes, who is like really close to Laporte as well. So he ticked all the boxes in that regard. But then you have Vitor Roque as well, who is a, like a 30 million signing that potentially without Donjit can rise up to 61 million. And it's like your biggest investment in a player, which is probably what Xavi didn't feel that was the most needed thing in the world. So yeah, you analyze all, all the steps that Barcelona had been doing since they won La, La Liga last season with all those departures that I was mentioning and the signings that they've done this season. 
it's been like Xavi has lost a bit his place. And with what you were mentioning, like with the intervention on on the match day squads uh, as well, it's just building up to this, like Xavi not having the authority because he put the club ahead of everything else. And sometimes I, I think that the manager, especially like in Barcelona, needs this sort of leadership and authority and say, right, okay, I am a Barca fan, but you're going to listen to me now. And Xavi, like knowing that the club was in a tough financial state, uh, I think that he thought that the best option was not to step up. And I think that it didn't play on his favour. Yeah, Dermot, just reading in an article published by The Athletic that, you know, he wasn't also Laporte's first choice, you know, the club president. He wasn't his first choice as manager. The fact that, you know, they lost Ronald Koeman and then they make a U-turn and then go for him. I mean, that doesn't bode much confidence in the first place in terms of trying to nurture and build a relationship over time. Yeah, the whole whole idea, like Xavi has been planning to be Barcelona manager for a decade, going back to when he was a player, it was always, it was kind of foretold, you know, Xavi's going to come back and he's going to follow in the footsteps of Pep Guardiola and Luis Enrique and he's going to be the Barca coach. But his idea for being Barca coach was completely different than how the reality has turned out. You know, he went to to uh, Qatar to prepare, which we arguably, you know, wasn't the best preparation, but he, he was there working on the tactics he was going to do. He was talking to people who were going to join his backroom team. He was dealing with Victor Font, who was, you know, going to run to be the, the Barcelona president. And the whole idea was to to renew the La Masia model that Xavi is so associated with, to rely on young players, to rely on the, the philosophy that, that brought them success in the past. Like you could argue that maybe that philosophy, you know, needs to be renewed or needs to, you know, what worked 20 years ago or 15 years ago is not going to work now. But that, that was what Xavi was planning on doing. Then he comes in, you know, mid-season for Laporte to get them out of a hole kind of because Ronald Koeman isn't, isn't working out. Instead of relying on youth players, the club decided to take this levers policy to, you know, borrow money from the future in order to be able to sign big players like, like Lewandowski on big salaries who come in. And, you know, you could argue, you know, Lewandowski maybe bringing in these big players, you know, causes problems in the dressing room as well. There's a, there's no kind of continuity or no strict philosophy of what the club is going to do. So Xavi's never really been able to, to do the job that he wanted to do as Barca coach. He's been a trying to find solutions to, to, to different problems and kind of improvising as he goes along, which is very much a Laporta type, type of a policy is to be to improvising and to make short-term solutions now or short decisions now, you know, and kick the problem down the road. Whereas he wanted to come in, put in long-term plan for, for the club, build around La Masia, just hasn't worked out that way at all. And it's a pity. And, you know, maybe Javi's only young, you know, maybe he'll come back in, in the future. Maybe there'll be a, a different Barcelona at some stage down the road and he might, come in and then be able to do the job that he wanted to do as coach. But, you know, over the last two and a half years, it just, you know, he's won a La Liga title, which is not so bad, but he's leaving under a cloud. You, you could see the the stresses and the strains it had on him. He's not he's not a spiky character like a Luis Enrique or even like a Guardiola who likes confrontation, likes to take people on. You know, maybe that's useful to being a Barcelona manager or a Real Madrid manager or a Manchester United manager to have that strength of personality. Xavi's more into consensus, more into you know, get people on side to what, what he's trying to do. But he's been outmaneuvered politically by, by Laporta numerous times during his, his time in charge. And it's a it's kind of an unfortunate way for his his time at the club to end. And there's still, you know, four or five months to, to go as well, which is going to be, you know... Well, if it lasts that long, as we yeah, say, yeah, if it like lasts it's, that long. <laughs> it's a... For, for a lot of Barca fans, I think it's kind of a sad situation to be in. Paul, Dermot just alluded to it there, actually. And, and I do think, you know, I mean, there are a lot of positives to him coming back to Barcelona. First La Liga title in how many years? And also 
in the midst of it back in the Champions League again, which is, you know, thumbs up in many respects. Obviously hasn't reflected in this season in particular, but from a fan's perspective, how did they feel about Xavi at the club? And also you sort of get a sense that perhaps it's some of the reactions beyond football of him that sort of really grated at him and his personality as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when he arrived and even like last summer, Xavi was seen like as the right man for the club. I think that even last season when he won La, La Liga, there, there were people at the club who had doubts if Xavi was like a, like an elite manager or an elite tactician, if you want to call it that way. Because as Dermot was saying, Barcelona won La Liga last season without showing like a brilliant display in all games. And, and that was actually one of the assignments for Xavi this season, just to improve the way they played and being more like offensive oriented. But at the same time, he, he felt like the right man, basically. Like a man that was like uh, sensible to what the club needed. Um, he knew how to do the right choice. He was able to deal with like not the best signings in the world. But yeah, like over the late weeks or months, the way that he's been irritated by, by what you were saying now, like all the constant opinions and all the constant narrative like around the club, you could see that Xavi was, I'm not going to say losing the plot because it wasn't the case, but right, yeah, really overwhelmed and like sending messages like in press conferences that even like board members were like, we don't really think that's the case. The loss against Girona in La Liga this season, that was a really painful one, like inside the club, not just losing against like a title contender, but losing against the Catalan counterparts in the way that Girona played. And Xavi said after the game that, he think that Barcelona had played better and they, and they just deserved the win. And some board members were like, we lost against a team that played better football than us. So that was the reasoning. More like Barcelona in essence, actually. Yeah, yes, sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this sort of difference of opinions has been present like over the last year. And yeah, um, I would say that this thing about Xavi not being the best manager in the world was present in the club since last season, even when they won La, La Liga. But yeah, this year it has all imploded in a way that I don't think that Xavi has been able to handle. I don't think, if I'm honest, that it's a problem of, of like the philosophy of Barcelona, because actually, like, if you look, possibly the most positive note that Barcelona has right now are like the teenagers that are playing with the team. They're playing like amazingly. Lamin Diamal has been the best attacker for Barcelona in the last couple of weeks. Pau Cubarsi, when he's played as a centre-back, he's played better than Jules Koundé has done over the last couple of months easily. He played better than Andreas Christensen in the last couple of games as well, although Christensen had been carrying a small injury. But this, this speaks about the philosophy of the club and what they have beyond the first team in, in La Masia. This is still working. When you put one of those kids in the first team, they are like playing well. Now, the worry of the club has to be like to surround them with the right spectrum and with the right group of players who allows them just to keep growing and just to fight for titles and just to develop like this sort of mentality. What's been wrong, in my opinion, has been the message from the club because Laporta just opted to go like in a win now mode. We're going to be great again. We're going to sell future assets just to bring players in. And we're going to sell like a narrative, not just with signings, but like to sponsors, to, to the fans, to the media, that Barcelona is back and that Barcelona will be able to compete for titles are, are the, as they were used to compete. And the reality is that Barcelona are not like that. Possibly, in my opinion, because with the money that they were able to spend, nowadays you make less of a difference than what you used to do like 25 years ago. Because you have like more competitors and the football market has evolved in a dimension that with this amount of money, you have a lot of, of clubs that can compete with that. And then because you have to be like really spot on with all the signings when you do a thing like that. And, and it hasn't been the case. And I go back to the youngsters. If you look at the youngsters now, 
la mínima mal being better than Lewandowski, a guy that for who you paid like 45, 50 million of, of euros, offering him a three-year contract plus an extra additional year on a big salary. Is that a good piece of business? Then there's the name of Rafinha, who is competing actually with Lamid Yamal for this right-wing spot. Uh, Rafinha costed a lot of money as well, and he was and his agent was actually Deco, like which tells you a lot about this thing that I was telling you about, like the relationships that Barcelona is sort of working on, or the way that they believe that they can compete with top clubs to lure big players in, is by having good relationship with agents and with yeah and with people involved in the industry. Is that a good option? Is that a good way? Probably not. Now it's more easy to say. Probably not is the best way. But yeah, I, I don't have assurances or like any signals that is going to change in the future because Teco now is like the sporting director and Jorge Mendes in the last transfer window was an active part of Barcelona's business. So that's why I think that Barcelona fans are more worried probably on what's coming on than on what's led uh, the club to this situation. Just thinking when we're hearing all this, Dermot, it doesn't help when you also commit the cardinal scene of starting to read about yourself in the media or, you know, listening to TV pundits like ourselves <laughs> or, or, or radio interviews in that respect. You know, you you feel isolated in the club and then you also feel like there's no real public support in, in, in the same way. That just felt like something that was just chipping away at what we see as now the inevitable. You could see Xavi getting increasingly irritated with the stuff that was being written about him in the papers and what people were saying about him on the radio and on the TV. And he he didn't he didn't say it openly, but he knows that 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 does just that doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's not that all these pundits are making up their own minds on what they see. Everything is you know we all work in the industry and think you know there are leaks and there are briefings and there are different uh, power centers within clubs. And Barcelona is, you know, of all the clubs in the world, maybe is one of the, at least one of the ones in which that's the most difficult one to deal with for the coach. And Javi would have known this from Johan Cruyff, from Pep Guardiola, from Luis Enrique, all the, these guys, Javi would have known it. But even still, once, then when you're in that situation and you know that you're being criticized and you feel it's unfair, you know, he he's a guy with his own pride as well and his own sense of himself. And he's achieved so much in the game and he, I don't think he's lost confidence in his own ability as a coach or as a, as a football man, but he has been, it's just been ticking away at him or, or digging away at him all the, the criticism because he knows that it's coming from people who maybe they're not saying it to his face. Maybe they, they don't want to say it to his face and he had to, to put up with it. And it's, it's been difficult for him to, to deal with for sure. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces.
You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. Let's look ahead and let's let's look at what you know what Barca do now. I guess Paul from your perspective and I guess from a fan's perspective at Barcelona are Barcelona fans ready for change? I mean, this is, you know, it's been this way for so long, right? The, the wonderful academy, of course, produces some of the best talents in the world. But there needs to be a change of structure. There needs to be a change of style of play, potentially, because the game has also moved on in many respects. I don't think, if you ask, like, to diehard Barca fans, I don't think that they are... I mean, if you look at Pep Guardiola, it is still being successful. Of course, he has the resources, he has, like, the, the structure of the club, everything that helps him. But the way that he plays, I mean, he sort of proved that with, like, a good structure, you can build a good team playing in a certain way. So that's what Barcelona want to aspire to. And I don't think that diehard fans want to lose that. What the club has to change is basically like the message, like being more humble, being more honest, like, look, we've tried, but we're not at that level. And we have to be aware that we have a good generation coming up and we are going to support them and we're going to try to play better. And that's going to be like the way that we're going to take decisions from now on. From a football perspective, we can commit mistakes, but if football wise, we're like in the style that we want to see progress in our team, which has not been the case so far, we are right. And, and they should believe that all the things would start ticking. Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be something that comes like from the board of the club and from the direction of the club. There, there has to be changes in there just to show the fans and 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 everyone that Barcelona want to not start from scratch, but almost. Just when you say that about Barca have to change, like I agree with Paul is saying that, but it, the core of Barca fans or the you know former players and coaches and people you talk to, they don't feel that it, the problem is that Barca's model doesn't work anymore or what made Barca successful in the past doesn't work anymore. It's, it's as Paul is saying there, it's that Barca are no longer being true to what you know their essence is or what the strengths that they have and what makes Barca special, what makes it unique in world football. A lot of people still believe in that. And it is, you know, it's the, the youngsters, it's playing a certain way, it's believing in a certain thing. Going back to when they used to have UNICEF on the on the shirt, even back to that idea of Barca as something, you know, an, an example for world football and the current, you know, leadership at the club, the idea that, you know, they use these levers, they have, you know, financial, creative financial solutions to try and pay off, that they deal with, with big agents, that they sign aging superstars and put them into their team. That's not what Barcelona are supposed to do. You know, arguably, you can look back at the club's past and say, you know, you know, they signed Thierry Henry and they won the Champions League or, or whatever back in the day. But the, that kind of idea of Barca, of what it believes in or what the, the club represents, they still feel that's the best way for the club to to go forward into the future. And they do have amazing young players. Like, yeah, Lamine Yamal is still only 16 and he's playing incredibly well. Pau Kubarsi comes into the team for his first couple of weeks in a really difficult situation and shows, you know, what a good player he is. And if they still have, if you have the right people around them, the right coaches, the right leadership from the top of the club, the patience that that is required to go, okay, well, you know, we're going to leave Lamin Yamal out every now and again because he needs to be rested. We're going to bring in Pau Kubarsi, we'll put somebody beside him. Even Oriol Romeo, who, you know, is a former Barca youth player, we're not going to go so hard on him when he comes back. We're going to accept the limitations that he has. We're going to put the team together in a way that, that kind of hides that a little bit as, you know, Busquets was exposed as well in, in previous seasons at different times. But we're going to, you know, have that 100% faith in our philosophy and our way of doing things. And that means that maybe it, we're not going to be able to win the Champions League, but we're going to be competitive in, in La Liga and we're going to be proud of what we're doing ourselves. Because at the minute, what they have is a is a team where, you know, they're not, Barca fans are not proud of 
a lot of the players who, who are in the team, they're not proud of the direction in which the, the club is taken off the pitch as well. And it's 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 not that they Barca need to or they would they would argue anyway, it's not that Barca need to, you know, <clears throat> accept that what has worked in the club traditionally no longer is possible. It's that the people who are running the club at the moment have to accept that, you know, they need to go back and look at what made them successful in the past and do it that way, not to copy maybe what works at Real Madrid or what works at Manchester United or or Paris Saint Germain or wherever. Yeah, I mean, I think that the most painful thing is just to have like the president saying publicly that that he believes that this team can win the Champions League. Slightly delusional. Is, it, is, is that a PR thing, in, fundamentally, just to keep the fans on side? Or is it? do you think Laporte really means this? I mean, it's a mix of things. I, th- I think that deep down, he cannot really believe that. But at the same time, it's like the, the club knows that they have to send this message, not just for the fans, but also like for the sponsorship, for like the commercial side of the club, to keep getting income in the level of an elite club in the world, because now it's like a significant time to have this on board of the club. But yeah, I mean, they have to take a step back on that direction because I think that Chav- this is a mistake that Xavi has done, in my opinion, uh, uh, as well, because he has like followed up on that message. He has taken like this sort of like narrative that the club since Laporta uh, came back wanted to build on. And it wasn't like the right moment for that. It wasn't the right moment because Barcelona doesn't have the structure to go and compete for the Champions League. And the message should be what Dermot was saying, like we are making a team to try to compete every single game and, and to go and try to play to Man City and put them into the biggest difficulties that we can. We can promise that we're going to beat Man City because we can't. But we, we're going to try to make things difficult for them in a certain style. If you do that, I think that Barcelona fans were able to accept and just to digest that because don't forget that. I mean, Barcelona has been a winning team, but there has been like a winning team like from 40, 50 years ago. And like Barcelona is like a club with more than 100 years of history. Back then, Barcelona was not a winning team. I am from Barcelona and like my family are like Barcelona fans and my granddad was not used to see Barcelona winning. So there's a lot of fans who could accept that and, and that could process a, a Barcelona having like two or three the, the, the difficult years, but seeing like the local boy playing and like a manager that could put the team in like a certain direction. But it's something that the club basically thought that they couldn't afford to do because they needed money in and they wanted like just to change the direction of the club by winning now. And it hasn't happened. And now you don't see like a future in terms of like what's Barcelona going to be able to do. They, they don't have any other assets basically to sell. They are like exceeded on their salary cap. The new manager that they are going to bring in, his salary is going to be included in this exceeded salary cap because of La Liga regulations. So that makes it even tougher just to register like a new manager. It's like a, a lot of things that doesn't allow Barcelona fans to be optimistic for the future. Paul, you should you should write the job write up of how not to be a Barcelona <laughs> manager. If you want it, come. If not, yeah, just leave exactly. this club alone. I, that is the big question, though, Dermot, isn't it? Like, who who takes on this job next? Because you 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 look at some of what Paul said, and, and that's absolutely spot on. But I guess you've still got these incredible squad of young players, a, a fledgling academy, a new stadium. Um, it's still a big club in, in, in global eyes in many respects. And I, I guess you also don't have the issue where you're, you're going to be coming after someone like Jurgen Klopp, which we've just seen with Liverpool, where you have these massive boots to fill. Surely someone's got to be sort of clasping their hands thinking, oh, I might be able to express my personality on this club. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult for 
for Barca next summer. They're not going to have much room in the transfer market because of La Liga. UEFA are also looking at their the way that the levers have been used in UEFA's break-even calculations. There's a, another fine very possibly coming down the line from UEFA. So the new manager is going to have to be somebody who would be willing to take a, a lower salary than he could earn elsewhere if he's coming from a big club and to work within the restrictions. You know, a lot of Barca fans would like to see somebody, you know, with a connection to the club, maybe a Las Palmas coach, Garcia Pimienta, who, you know, spent 28 years, I think, at Barca as a youth player, as a youth coach, got up to the Barca B coach, um, as somebody who might be able to guide these young players together. But that would take a big change from Laporta. That would go against everything that Laporta has done since he came in a, as president for him to say, OK, we'll get rid of Lewandowski, we'll let Gundogan go, we'll let the young go, and we'll just be, deal around the, these young players and get a young low-profile coach come in that's maybe not going to sell you know Barca to the sponsors they have a new stadium that you know should fans should be back at the camp now towards the end of this year the idea is to fill that to attract tourists new sponsors commercial opportunities all that and in order to do that you want big names you want a big name manager you want big name players it's just really difficult to see where, where Barca go from here and if you are a new manager who's you know thinking about looking at Barca as a as an opportunity, then you know you'd have to do your due diligence. I'd say would be the would be the advice. Yeah, you sometimes think that you know, much like Paul, much like Manchester United, you know, and several other clubs. By the way, you sort of feel that Barcelona is a club that's held back by the prestige of, of former glory, and moving away from that is a PR shift, but. If I'm honest, it's it's quite scary. If people come to you just because of what you've done before and it's proved successful until a point now where actually there's much more scrutiny, it's very hard to move away from those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the virtual is that both clubs that you're mentioning, they haven't been able... I mean, those clubs are like clubs that are being driven by a lot of politics. In the case of United, you have like multiple ownerships, like a fan base which is not like backing a lot like their, their ownership. And then in Barcelona, you have like... A, uh, a box of executives and like the boardroom, which is filled like with like local businessmen, which of course they want like the best for Barcelona, but they also want the best for the, the, their own companies. And they want to build up their profiles and just to be present in the Catalan society. So there's sort of an interest of like looking after that, that themselves uh, uh, as well, which is, yeah, again, like a bit co co contradictory. But at the same time, I think that Barcelona has like some positives as well in terms of like, trying to recruit a new manager or to attract like a new young manager. I think that Barcelona has a raw good bunch of players. Deep down, the raw talent is there, in my opinion. They need to, of course, be better than just to find like a better structure and just to this model, this game model that treats them better. I mean, I'm, and I'm not going to say that it's going to be an easy task, but you can improve what they've done now. You can, like a manager with some clear ideas can improve some things. And it's not like you don't have like a high benchmark like the, like Klopp's successor is going to have, for example. How on earth you improve what Klopp has done at Liverpool, it's going to be tough. But what you, you can improve what Barcelona has done in the last couple of seasons. Then there's also like the factor that Barcelona has to be very bad to not be competitive in La Liga. Despite all the problems that they've had this season, they are still on, on the top four. And, in, and if they keep up in the way that, that the club expects, they should be able to make it to the top four. So that's that's not guaranteed. That's not guaranteed in in the Premier League to say something. Like if you go to a big team in the Premier League, there's no guarantee that you're gonna end up on the top four. That's not in La Liga either. But I would say that it's easier to finish on the top four in La Liga than in than in the Premier League is. 
Um, and then, like, there's the brand of Barcelona as well that if, like, Lamin Yamal has a really good season, he is going to be, like, the golden boy next season and possibly if a, if a guy, if a youngster from a Premier League club does that, it doesn't have the same impact because Barcelona is just Barcelona. And that's, like, the pull that Barcelona has is also, like, a positive thing. And now I think that Barcelona has to go, like, as Dermot was sort of hinting as, as well, like with a manager with like clear ideas, with a philosophy that suits like the Barcelona model and rebuild all the narrative around the club, like being honest from the top to the bottom, knowing that the club most urgent thing is to recover like their principles. Gar Garcia Pimienta would be a nice option in terms of like for the fan base, for his background, the club. But as Dermot was saying, for me, it's like almost impossible to see him back because it was basically Juan Laporta who fired him and who took the decision just to leave him jobless, basically, because he felt that the second team uh, role as a manager had to be destined to, to a man of his team, which in this case is Rafa Market now. But I think that, I don't know, like a profile like Roberto De Gerbi, he's a manager that, that, that he's ready to go to the next step. Um, in the Premier League, I mean, except Liverpool, which is the next big project that is going to be uh, available? I don't see a lot of them in the short term. Maybe if you wait for Pep Guardiola to leave Man City, that's another option. But if you go to Man City after Pep Guardiola, that's a huge pressure as well. So maybe like Barcelona has this pull to bring him in. I think that he has good players that fit his managerial style. But then there's the thing of like, can Barcelona afford his, like what they have to pay Brighton to get him and, and like the salary that he would require. That's just a whole uh, another story. But if you ask me like about what Barcelona can offer and what can make a manager think, okay, Barcelona might not be that, that of a bad option. I think th those are positives that Barcelona has. Mm. And I guess who the president wants versus who actually gets uh, might be very, very different ideas based on their financial status at this moment in time. Just a, a quick one, Dermot, um, and it's sort of counteracting what we're talking about in terms of someone that understands Barcelona in terms of who might come in next. You know, there's a big read on The Athletic and saying that Laporta wants a German coach. I mean, what 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 is this all about? Is, is it absolute madness? Very different ideologies, really. Yeah, like <laughs> that comes from whatever is kind of popular or in fashion at the time. When Laporta was running to be Barcelona president in 2021, you know, Nagelsmann, Tuchel, Klopp, these were the kind of the big names around European football. So people were like, oh, we we could get a German coach. Never really taken that that seriously. I think then, you know, he came in as president and he stuck with Ronald Koeman, who, who was there before. Uh, wh whoever comes in as coach is going to have to accept, especially that they're going to be the first team coach. They're not going to be a manager. They're not going to have a huge amount of say in in transfer dealings, the way the club is set up at the minute, if they already have a good relationship with with Deco or with the agents who have um, been helping Laporte out in his transfer business recently, and they're willing to, to go along with that, that that might be you know useful for them in order to to settle into the job. It's not that dissimilar, maybe from Real Madrid, where Carlo Ancelotti accepts the restrictions that are on him, knows that he's not going to be running the, the transfer policy, and you know gets on with with the job. The difference is that Madrid have just a much better squad at the minute than than Barcelona have. They have also much more stability going on. You know, Florentino Perez runs the club and, you know, what he says goes more or less. Laporta runs Barcelona as well, but he's to deal with a lot more factors around it. The club's financial problems are, are a huge fall of them, the, um, are a huge 
uh, Barca's financial problems are a huge thing that Laborde just has to deal with. His way of managing it as well is, is slightly different from, from Florentino at Real Madrid. So whoever comes in, it's just going to be it's a difficult job. It's really attractive because becoming Barcelona coach, even players like Lewandowski, like Rafinha, Jules Koundé, all of those players could have earned more money going somewhere else. But they decided to go to Barcelona because of the allure of Barca, because of the, the legacy that it has. Barcelona's a nice place to live as well. Um, Camp Nou Stadium is going to be open. There's, there are a lot of attractive nature suit, but they're all in the past. Barca's future is doesn't look great at the minute. So whoever comes in as coach is going to have to deal with them. Yeah, and Paul, I think you mentioned Marquez there. I wonder if that would offer uh, some sort of continuity in many respects. You know, former Barcelona player, B team, you know, coaching the B team at the moment. There's some comparisons there with what Pep Guardiola did as well in many respects, but um, who knows, right? No, but I think that Rafa Marquez right now is seen as a gift. Barcelona, like eventually, they don't. I mean, they don't plan to do this. But if they have to pull the trigger on Xavi because things don't things don't change and like the top four positions are at risk for Barcelona, like the only change that Barcelona has in hand is bring Rafa Marquez up and see if he shakes something up. But they don't see Rafa Marquez as a manager for the long term. They don't think that he's yeah that he basically has all the attributes that they are looking for to start of a new project as a and a fresh new blank page. He would be more of a, of a temporary thing um, than rather than a long-term fix. Okay. Well, the big thing is, well, what, what do we think? Uh, and we were all speculating, of course, but what we, do we think Xavi w- will do next? And I know, Paul, Barca face Osasuna tomorrow. Xavi's been speaking ahead of that match. Uh, what did he have to say? Basically, one of, the, one of the most surprising quotes, in my opinion, that he said was that he doesn't dismiss the option of like coming back as a Barcelona manager in the future. Basically, he insisted that he's, he's a man of the club. He said like this very same word that if the club needs him, he will always be there. But right now he feels that he doesn't need to be there and that the best thing for the club is for him not to be there next season and that they need this, this change and this shake up. But if in the future there's a situation that it lets like the people in the top of the club believe that Xavi can be the right man, he will be up for it. It's difficult to know which is going to be like the next step for Xavi. I don't think that he's, he's run out of energy of being a manager. I think that he, he still wants to be a manager, but he's run out. I mean, he just don't want to deal for more time with, with the, Bar- with the Barcelona thing and how everything has panned out here. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if he ha- like has on his mind if he wants to work on a Premier League move or something like that. Certainly, like if he goes, if he, if he wants like another job in the top league, I don't think that it's going to be to a, a club of the level of Barcelona, uh, in my opinion, for how everything has unraveled here in Spain. Uh, I think that, well, um, yeah, he will have to take on a new challenge. But yeah, it's going to be like depending on how he feels basically because right now it looks like he has put like his mental health as, uh, as you were saying and his mental state in front of everything else so so let's see how he feels next summer basically yeah it's gonna be very difficult for Xavi like it looks like he needs rest from what we can see from his his public and you know from what we know about how how difficult it's been for him behind the scenes he needs a rest and it does give the impression and even from what Paul's saying there that he feels he hasn't really had a go at the job, that he hasn't been able to succeed or do the job the way that he wanted to do. And maybe in, you know, a different Barca president in five, 10 years time, then it would make sense for him to come back and actually do the job that, that he wanted to do. That may be wishful thinking. In order to do that, you you know, you're going to have to keep your career open. He's going to have to be more open maybe to to outside help, outside influence as well. Like he did surround himself with a lot of kind of coaches who he knew from, you know, his earliest days in the club. You know, his own brother was his was as assistant manager. 
maybe it would suit him to go and work even with somebody else, alongside somebody else in a different situation, different environment, whether that it's hard to see him getting a big job in the Premier League. But if he were to go, I don't know, maybe MLS or back to Qatar or something like that looks like maybe the most the most likely next step for Xavi and that he would, you know, learn more along the way to add to his own kind of toolkit as a manager. He would definitely have learned from from this experience at Barcelona. He would have seen what didn't work as he was Barcelona coach. And you can imagine that he would like nothing more than to return in whether it is under a different presence and actually make a goal and, and be a be a big success and get everything across. But at, at this stage it's a lot is going to have to change before he can come back, both for him himself and at Barcelona. Jeds, thanks so much for your time. Paul, Derma, as always, don't forget to rate and review the podcast and we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Guy Clark, Mike Stavro and Jay Beal and the executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.